Hey, Richard Gottlieb. It's Bird. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're going to have like a real smart show on. Today. I know. We're actually going to learn something. Imagine teaching you and me things, you know, old dogs, new tricks. But we are so pleased to welcome Jennifer Cavesa, who is the new chair of the Otis Toy Design Program. We are so excited to talk to her. Of course, Jennifer is an industry veteran. And we'll get into that in a minute. But first, this is the Playground Podcast with me, Chris Byrne, my co-host and cohort, Richard Gottlieb. We are brought to you by Global Toy Experts, the Toy Guy, and marketing and media agency, Chizcom. And Jennifer, congratulations, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Chris and Richard. I'm so happy to be here. This is really exciting. So let's start out, because you really have been in the industry a while. Tell us a little bit about what you've done in the industry and how you ended up in uh, at Otis. Where do I begin? I've devoted my life to toys, basically, going way back. I graduated from Penn State University, and in truth, I wanted to be a writer, but I was brought up with a traditional conservative background, and writing the great American novel was like not part of the plan. <laughs> um, so I decided, a brilliant idea, to go into advertising and become a copywriter. I figured I could earn a living doing what I love. So I got a job at Gray Advertising in New York City. And at Gray, even college graduates had to start out as administrative assistants. And when you were there, you were labeled as either a suit or a creative. Now, I wanted very badly to be a creative, but I landed a role as a suit. Um, <laughs> The creatives were the art directors and the writers, and the suits were the business side of account management. But, you know, I figured that would be okay. I would continue to work on my copywriting portfolio. And as part of that training program, you were to be an admin for nine months. But as it turned out, I was actually really good at being a suit, and I was offered a promotion before my time. So, you know, I had a choice back then on which account to go into. Uh, one option was Procter & Gamble, which was the elite, prestigious account, you know, the traditional, respectable packaged goods company. Or the other choice, the agency had just won the Hasbro business. <laughs> so, you know, many were encouraging me to go the P&G route for proper training. And I remember back then contemplating, you know, do I want to work on Crisco oil and Jif peanut butter all day, but the creative in me chose Parker Brothers, uh, and that's how I got into the toy industry. Fast forward a bit, my client at the time was Larry Bernstein. The- <laughs> la- uh oh, what is that? A good. We remember laugh? Larry, of course. Right? Yeah. So Larry, everyone knows Larry. Most people know Larry. Remember him with a laugh. Uh, but he was the president of Parker Brothers at the time. And he was recruited by Mattel to start their games division. So he brought me with him. So I'm proud to be a founding member of Mattel Games. With that transition, I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, from New York to LA, from advertising to marketing. uh, And I entered the exciting world of toy manufacturing. While at Mattel, I worked in marketing on many brands across three different office locations. I moved wherever they needed me. I was at Arco. I was at Fisher Price, New York. I was in El Segundo at their corporate headquarters. And the bottom line, I had a wonderful experience at Mattel. 
Uh, and since then, I've had the pleasure of uh, working at smaller manufacturers such as Jack Specific on girls' preschool, uh, girls and preschool brands. And for many years, I worked at Nickelodeon, now known as Viacom CBS, running their toy licensing business um, and various other hardline categories. Um, and that leads me to today, because most recently uh, I landed a job at Otis College of Art and Design as the new chair of toy design. I just have to jump in and say my very first title at CBS was Secretary No Sten. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it happened. <laughs> that was the time. I was a demon on a selectric, but you really had to pay your dues learning. You, pay, you know, funny you say that because... Um, what was that movie, Working Girl? I don't remember what the movie was, but I was literally in a hallway with a line of other admins. <laughs> yeah. I was I was living at home, commuting four hours a day for fifteen thousand a year. I mean, I hate to, you know, date myself back in my day, but you really did have to pay your dues. And I wanted a top ten agency. I wanted New York City, and the way to get your foot in the door was to do it. And so we did. So tell us a little bit about the Otis program. It's something that I've gotten to observe firsthand, and I've certainly seen the creativity and excitement coming out of it. Tell us a little bit about the program. It's an incredible place. We are one of only two colleges in the nation with a dedicated toy design program. But Otis is unique in that is the only four-year accredited Bachelor of Fine Arts degree program. So we have a very comprehensive design curriculum that covers many major categories including plush, preschool dolls, action figures, vehicles, and games. So each semester, we focus on a different category uh, where we teach the design process from ideation through store shelf. Uh, So that's, you know, our design studio classes. And in those, which is a, a key focus, the students gain insight into a specific toy category. They learn to develop an organized approach to the toy design process. They prepare very cohesive, which Chris, you've seen when you've been out here, oral and visual presentations, which is such a big part of success in the industry. They do market research. They do trend research. They learn brainstorming techniques, and they even design and develop works like and looks like models. So that's the design piece, which is very, very uh, intense. But students also take courses in child psychology and development. They take marketing courses, engineering, I mentioned model making, digital design, computer rendering, packaging, presentation. It's a full range. They really leave Otis very prepared to hit the ground running. Is Otis part of another university or is it a standalone college? No, it's standalone. At one point, I believe it was part of Parsons in New York, but right, it is. It was uh, established in 1918, and and again, I mentioned it is uh, accredited four-year degree, which is incredible. The students come in as foundation students, and they get their full year of liberal studies courses and start learning drawing techniques and foundation, and then they have the choice of which path to choose, and toy design is one of those paths. Uh, it's a very international community. It's a very diverse student body. The environment is excellent in that it is all open studios. So if you come to the campus, you can f- freely walk around and observe classrooms. All of the foundation courses take place throughout 
the various floors of the college to give the students the opportunity for exposure to various programs so that they really make a, an informed choice by the time they're sophomores. Do you recruit for Otis? How do people, how do you find people who have a passion for toys? There is a big recruitment effort here through our admissions department where they're out, you know, reaching out to high schools and various art and design schools and just children or young adults who have passion. We often do find students here that love toys from the time they were young and just want to be in the business. So they find, you know, they seek us out because there are only a few in the nation. Um, but it is something that you have to educate. You do need to educate the young folks that there is this career. And, you know, even Foundation Forward, we have pitch events. We are we are on, you know, Zoom and welcoming students to the floor and, and telling them what an incredible industry it is and why we think they'll have a very meaningful and rewarding career if they if they take this path. So I think it's a bit of both. Uh, because you're right, not every I, I didn't know toy existed as a career. I didn't plan to spend the last 30 years in the toy industry. Did did you? Well, uh, did no, you, no. Right? I, I would like to say I was going to write the great American novel as well. Oh, you were? Okay. I, I was an English lit major, went to grad school for English lit, and yada, yada, yada. I'm in the toy industry. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty pretty similar hard. track for me. <laughs> That's, oh, you too as well. So yeah, I was fine arts and fine arts and theater, and, and here I am in toys. I, I was going to teach college English. I was going to wear with a coat with the patches on, the sleeve, <laughs> you know, smoke a pipe. Uh, oh, you and I had similar visions, but here uh, we are. One okay. of the things I do want to talk about is because I have just been so impressed by the the students and their their ability to work in so many different media. We tend to think people are just one, you know, just they just know vehicles or they just know dolls or they know something else. And I'm going to tell a quick story from a visit to, to Otis where there was a, a young student who was showing me her doll line and it was adorable and sweet and sunny and bright and rainbows and unicorns. And then she shows me her action figure line and the story gets darker and darker <laughs> and darker as she's telling it to me. And I go, well, that's really dark. And she very sweetly says to me, I have darkness in me. And, and I thought that what here's the program that brings out these various different creative impulses in these kids. These are true creatives. Oh, I love that story. They are true creatives. Yeah, I mean, giving them exposure to a variety of toy categories helps, right? You're not just designing... You love dolls. You're only designing dolls. You're learning to design for various audiences and all types of categories and ages, uh, which we love. Um, and that, that's just the design you know, studios. We have a, a very intense curriculum that includes even things like uh, methods and materials, you know, which teaches students mass production techniques. We have design prototyping, which they learn sculpting and model making and how to take their 2D designs into 3D form. Our drawing curriculum is incredible and it takes students from analog drawing, which is hand drawing and sketching all the way through uh, digital rendering. We teach a variety of software programs uh, from Photoshop and Illustrator to Rhino and ZBrush. Uh, so they come out of here with some incredible creative skills as toy designers and some really useful technical skills. We really cover the gamut. Is Otis strictly for people who are in the visual arts or, or is it also for people who are creatives and want to create within the toy industry? 
I don't, I don't want to say we limit to just those in the visual arts, because I do feel if you have a passion and a desire to learn, we are here to educate and we do provide the skills. Uh, you know, every student comes in with different passions, different skills, different levels. And I do remind them that it's their own journey and not to compare yourself to others. And there are so many different avenues to your point of the toy industry and different places to go. And everyone will find their place. They'll progress at different levels. They come in with different skill sets and we tap into those strengths. Uh, we help pull that out of them and we help find them a home in the industry. They are students who are creative. They are passionate. They have great imaginations. A lot of them do love story, this storytelling angle of things. And we do incorporate storytelling into a lot of our design curriculum. I mean, that is such a entertainment is such a big part of the industry. So we have to do that. So, you know, when you walk around senior show, which is our big showcase at the end of the year, you see the students standing up and presenting their work and sharing their stories that they've created. Speaking of helping your students find a home in the industry, you guys have an amazing internship program. And I think people listening to this from toy companies should know about this because this is an incredible resource for them. And and sometimes these students transition from being an intern to being an employee. Can you talk a little bit about how you place students and in your internship program? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to talk locally for a minute and then broadly speaking, but we do have a, a fantastic internship program. I mean, because what we are doing here at Otis is we, we want to provide real world experience, right? We are training uh, toy designers to go out into the industry. We want them to get jobs. We want to help the industry, um, you know, fulfill their design needs. So from a local perspective, we are fortunate to be in Los Angeles, which is a hub of the toy industry. We hold an internship fair in March. And uh, we invite the industry to campus, possibly on Zoom. Hopefully it'll be in person. They are invited to interview our students. And we work with our students to prepare promo sheets and resumes. They even have a career development class where they learn how to present themselves. You know, a lot of them, English is a second language. We have a big international community. And so we, we help guide them in how to present themselves. In all fairness, we have students at so many different companies. I mean, we've had students placed at Jack and Mattel and Spin Master, Fisher Price, uh, Moose. In addition, now that people are working remotely, it's not just locally. I mean, local is great and we're very fortunate to have the support of the industry here, but we are getting uh, requests from out of state. And so I just want to say that it is an opportunity wherever you may be. Jazzwares down in Florida, we're trying to figure out all the opportunities. Some can be remote, some are willing to move. They're always paid internships, you know, reasonably paid, but um, they are really uh, contributing to your design team and your staff. So sophomore year, they get them, junior year, they get them. And by the time they graduate, most students have had two professional job opportunities. And many of them go on to work at the place where they interned. Um, and recently, I've actually had several companies extend their internships from summer throughout the year, wow. which we allow as well. You know, there's some paperwork to be done and it becomes a part-time job. But I speak to the students about the importance of freelancing, you know, and whether it's a summer internship in quotes or it's a freelance work throughout the year, um, it's a great way to make money. It's a great way for them to gain experience. And it's a really valuable um, opportunity for the industry. Plus, they bring so much to the table. 
and and that's one of the things that I'm always impressed with. They have such a such a unique design sense. They're young. They they are closer in age to the people they're designing for than certainly we are. And so they really know a lot of the things that are that are triggering kids and they're very they're very conversant with things like TikTok and Instagram and all of those from an organic standpoint. So it's really an asset to have these young minds in your company. And they have voices and they want to be heard. No, and I love it. You're you're exactly right. So they are they they have great strong voices and they do make valuable contributions even as interns. The companies also give back to Otis and we really appreciate it and that's part of the success of the program. We need the professional mentors and guest lecturers. Thank you Chris for coming in. <laughs> But to come in and work with the students and to give back their knowledge and to comment on their work and to really help them along the way. And so we forge deep relationships because of the locality of, of Otis uh, with the industry that comes in and works with them. Uh, that's not to say there aren't job opportunities everywhere because we do have students placed. Uh, we had someone at Fisher Price, you know, we have people at Lego, we have, you name it, we have students and alumni placed. And sometimes it's up to the students too, right? Some of them want to venture out and go work in New York. Not all of them want to stay in LA. Uh, it's a very individualized choice. Uh, it's up to us to share all of the opportunities with them so they know. Um, we are using a program called Handshake. I would like to just throw that out there because any company can go on or email me and I'll hook you up with career services. But the first step to getting involved is to set up a Handshake profile. That is a sort of a job posting platform and it is available to all Otis students and alumni indefinitely. So if you come on board as a company and can create a profile and handshake, post your job opportunity, your intern internship opportunity, your freelance opportunity, whatever it may be, that will give you exposure to all of Otis students and not just toy, mind you. Of course, my priority is to place the toy students first, but <laughs> Some companies want graphic designers. Some companies are looking for fashion designers. So I'm just saying it's a fantastic opportunity and we will work with you to find the right student. What you said is very, very important. So can you give out some contact information? I think the best thing is to honestly, and I don't mind if many people do email me, just email me, which is jcaveza at otis.edu. It's J-C-A-V-E-Z-A at otis.edu. My first step is I will introduce you to career services and they will work with you to get your handshake profile set up. They will, you know, hold your hand to get it done, get your job posted. That's half the battle is getting the companies to set up their profile and post the job. Are you back in person now? We are back in person. We are fully on campus. Everyone's wearing masks. It is wonderful. The energy is amazing. Everyone is so happy to be back. Uh, we do still offer some online courses. You know, there are some teachers still teaching remotely. We do, and we have gained a lot of learning of the benefits of remote teaching. So we have allowed some blended courses as well. Uh, so, you know, there are pros and cons to both. Uh, a studio class where you're working in your hands, you need to be there. There are some, you know, computer rendering classes, for instance, that work well online, or we have a career development class, actually, that's pretty good as a blended course. And even, you know, we invite industry um, professionals in to do mock interviews, for instance, and a lot of them don't want to come up to campus. So we do the Zoom interviews, but we're thrilled to be back on campus. And it's so far so great. 
My last trip to Otis was March of 2020. It was the last trip I took before oh. before everything before everything shut down and and it was it was so exciting to see what they were getting ready for and then of course the senior showcase was um, all online and they really managed to do a pretty darn good job you know considering. all things considered in a short time and and we saw the whole industry really pivot in yeah. an amazing amount of time it's so true well we are excited to have you back chris in october <laughs> The students in the department are very excited and looking forward to that. I can't wait. Because the toy industry changes so much, right? And it changes so quickly and trends come and go. How do you encourage students to stay on top of what's changing? Do you have courses in popular culture? Do you talk about that? How do you, how do you keep kids ahead of the curve? Well, many of our design faculty are encouraging them to do their market research. So. There are several sources that we subscribe to that are trend-based that help prepare our students for the future of the industry. You, you were mentioning earlier real-world experience. I know your students have worked on corporate projects in the past. Can you talk a little bit about those? As I mentioned, the industry supports Otis in a great way. Uh, one of those ways is through corporate uh, sponsorships. And what that means, and it could come in a variety of forms, it's not 100% black and white, but what that means is they donate money to the college, half of that money goes to student scholarships, half the money goes to the department, and uh, they sponsor a course, a class. And so they will come in uh, with a design brief, uh, real world assignments, they kick it off with our students, and then they work with our students throughout the semester to achieve those goals. And so it's an incredible opportunity for companies to give back and also to get some great work out of the students. And so um, one example, for instance, we've had Mattel Hot Wheels come and sponsor our vehicles class. And so they will make a donation, they will kick off a design brief, and they end up with some amazing concepts by the end of the course. Chris and I often talk about the fact that the toy industry really prepares children to live in the future because of the toys we give them to play with many times reflect what their world is going to be like. What is the future of the toy industry? How do you think that fits in with the world as it is and now it's going to be? That is the number one question people ask, but uh, you know, how are we addressing the future here at Otis? Uh, well, you know, First of all, the toy industry is stronger than ever, which is good news. I think also play patterns and children's emotional needs remain the same. Uh, so we will continue at Otis to focus on those core categories that are meaningful to the industry. But I talked a bit about social and cultural context right now too. We are bringing diversity, equity, and inclusion into everything we do. That means creating an inclusive learning environment, uh, fostering diverse perspectives in our toy classes, um, examining various product projects and categories, uh, the doll category in particular. Um, you know, you mentioned how toys are a reflection of ourselves and society. And so um, we are looking at all those, uh, we're looking at DEI through those lenses. We will introduce conversations around STEAM and AI, and I think one of the biggest topics that keeps me up at night is sustainability. 
Uh, it is just of critical importance and, you know, how do we prepare Otis students to be thoughtful designers and responsible uh, contributors to the industry and the environment. There's also much conversation about identity and gender in toys. We spoke about how these students do have an opinion and a voice. And there are many conversations in academia about approaching toy design from a gender neutral perspective. We'll continue to review and update our software curriculum to ensure students remain uh, current with their technical skills. Uh, and I think it's important as the new chair that I connect with the industry uh, to speak with the working professionals uh, right now uh, to ensure that our curriculum, our software, our equipment, our topics are up to date. Uh, and, and that's what I plan to do. Okay, Jennifer, we're going to ask you the question we ask all our guests on the Playground podcast. Tell us a secret. It's a secret, so I'm not going to tell you. That's, <laughs> That's the point. We're ripping the lid off, off your life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My secret is that I fail at interviews. It's true. It's really true. Over the years, I have been on many interviews where I have not landed the job. Throughout my career, most every job has not come through as successful interview. Uh, you know, and the, the reason I say this and, and wanted to share this is that the jobs I have landed have been through people I know, through hard work, through my past performance, my good reputation, but not through an interview. Uh, you know, and that might seem obvious, but I just think it's a reminder to all to keep up your networking, that relationships really do matter, to always go up and above on your job. Uh, if you do leave a company, give ample notice, leave the team and the business in a good place, don't burn bridges. Uh, and, you know, when you asked me that, it just was just a self-reflective moment, you know, to think about your brand and your reputation. Are you someone that uh, people want to work with? Uh, because it has served me well in my career. I think it may be the best secret we ever got. I absolutely agree. That that was great. <laughs> Well, Jennifer Cavesa, head of the toy design department at Otis College of Design, you are an inspiration to us, and I know that you are going to inspire all your students in the years ahead. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is the Playground Podcast, and we'll be right back with the end cap. And now we come to the part of the show that we call the end cap, where Richard and I talk about issues that are confronting the toy industry today. And... Today, we're talking about something that is pretty entertaining. Uh, we're talking about a new streaming deal between Lego and its first partnership with Amazon Kids for an Asian series, Monkey Kid, that started on September 9th. And Richard, talk a little bit about why this is so important, and we'll get into what it means for the industry in a second. There was a, a very interesting article which we were honored to publish on Global Toy News by uh, a gentleman you all know, Gary Simons, who is the editor-in-chief of Licensing Letter. And Gary really saw something that most people didn't see, and that is that Lego really struck what looks to be a historic partnership with Amazon Kids Plus. Forget the content for a minute. It's a, it's a series called Monkey Kid. What is significant is that the deal is a co-development deal that covers a streaming cartoon show called The Monkey Kid, 
And it also involves actual product distribution through Amazon. So in this deal, Amazon not only works with Lego to create the streaming video show, but they get some exclusive rights regarding the actual product, which is significant because it means that Amazon has an advantage that at this point in history, Walmart can't match, Target can't match, Netflix can't match. It's quite significant because Amazon is the only one that has the ability to both stream and sell products. And I think that's significant in that streaming, as you point out in another article on Global Toy News, has really become the preferred method for kids to spend their time. You published a report by Precise.tv, who've been guests of ours on this show, and they found that one-third of children ages 2 to 12 can only be reached through YouTube. And I certainly know that anecdotally from talking to kids. What we're seeing is not only a change in how content is delivered and consumed, we're also seeing a change in the overall business structure. So that in this case with Monkey Kid, Amazon becomes a partner for the entire property. They own a piece of all of it. And I think we're going to see much more of that as we go forward. They also have the opportunity to promote it very heavily because they're heavily invested in it. I used to joke about Ben 10, which was a Cartoon Network phenomenon a few years ago. And the thing about Ben 10 was that it was created by Cartoon Network and they also owned the airtime. So they could do a Ben 10 marathon and drive it into kids' consciousness. That's the same opportunity that Amazon has here. I think it represents a way forward for a lot of content creators to have partnerships with retailers, with manufacturers for the totality of an IP. Also, um, as a follow-up to that, and this follow the Lego deal, it looks like Jazzwares has done a deal with Amazon uh, to stream a cartoon show, Do Re Mi, and there is... Um, certain product rights involved, you know, consumer product rights involved. So I think this is a trend. The only competitor at this point would be Disney and having the substantial media outlets and, of course, a longstanding relationships to make products. But if I'm Netflix, I think I may be talking to Walmart or I'm talking to Target. I got to be talking to somebody because uh, if you don't, uh, there's, uh, I think, uh, uh, Amazon has a huge advantage. It's just Lego. Amazon has it all. <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to Amazon has both the distribution platform plus the ability to link to product plus the distribution channels for product plus the relationships with the manufacturers. So on some level, they are really going to be in a position to call the shots as to what's being paid, and how the revenue is generated. The walls between entertainment and play are collapsing. And it's going to be, I think, challenging to everyone in play to really think through how they're going to be players in the world to come. Because it it appears that that consumer products may not be a standalone. I I, th- I think not. And you bring up a really, really good point because how kids consume and interact with entertainment is changing as well. You only have to look at 
Roblox and Minecraft and Zigazoo to know that kids aren't just passive consumers of entertainment anymore. They are engaging in that. They are creating their own entertainment within their own network. We are seeing probably one of the most historic changes at the beginning that we've seen since Saturday morning television really took hold in the 60s. And, and Chris, while we're looking back for a minute, you know, it, it seems to me where we are right now, maybe got its genesis with those series of books that came out, I believe, in the 70s, where there were multiple endings to books. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> that was an analog version in many ways of what we have now because the reader could choose the ending that they found most satisfying. It gave them control. It, it did give them control, and I think that's that's important. I think offering multiple platforms for people to engage with the content is really important. And if you're Amazon and you can have your finger in all of those or even control all of those, you are in a very advantageous position. Indeed, they are. Well, I can tell you this. It's going to be entertaining to see how all of this... <laughs> to see how all of this develops we'll be watching we hope you are too and we hope you're paying attention because this is going to mean big things for your business and in the meantime this is the playground podcast with me chris byrne my co-host and cohort richard gottlieb we are brought to you by global toy experts the toy guy and marketing and media agency chiscom if you like these episodes we hope you'll share them with your friends and you can catch up on all previous episodes at theplaygroundpodcast.com until next time thanks for listening